Welcome in, hockey fans, to the newest episode of The Modern Milliner, where we discuss the finest in hats for the modern man. No, actually, it's just a bunch of us all wearing different hats for different reasons, but I can tell you that the one thing we are ready to discuss is NCDC Hockey, the USPHL's NCDC Division Tier 2, free-to-play, and certainly a free podcast to listen to feels kind of right. You're listening to the best podcast in junior hockey. I mean, there's a lot of other podcasts that talk about a lot of other things, but there's only one podcast who has, you know, the foresight to think who are some of the best minds in the NCDC, who are guys that might be able to talk about the length and the breadth of the NCDC division. And we're going to introduce those guys. You already see them below us on Spotify. You don't know yet. It's still a mystery. But first, the man in the Florida Jack hat. To my left, the only man who brings cold weather back down to Florida with him every time he goes. It's Dan K. Dan, welcome in. And please explain to the folks the story behind your hat. So, uh, yeah, this is... Uh... Kind of a persona I've taken on since moving down to Florida here, Lucas. And, you know, I do have to say I went to the gym right before this, so I'm a little out of breath. You used that word mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, I, I'm a little out of it. Um, but this persona I've kind of taken on down here in Florida is Gator K. Okay. You know, a lot of people know the Dan K show. Down here in Florida, there is the Gator K show now. It's uh, it's mostly golf related. It's uh, it's non-existent because I don't, I don't have the ability like Lucas does to create this incredible podcast that we have here. But what I do have, Lucas, is a love for the NCDC like we talked about. And I think when, when we talk NCDC, there's, there's a few folks that come to mind, right? And when you talk about behind the bench, you talk about Toby Harris. You talk about Jason Kersner. You talk, first of all, fashion as well. We're talking haberdashers here, Lucas. We learned this week, you dropped Milner, okay? Before we get our, our guests in here. I always thought that a haberdasher ran a haberdasher, and that is where you sold hats. Well, I found out otherwise this week in a little bit of research. A milliner, a milliner or milliner en français, which is where the word derives from, actually is a fancy hat maker. That's why the hat comes out. And Lucas, a haberdasher makes all fancy clothes, not just hats, not just things to don upon your head, but a haberdasher makes all fancy clothes. They've already already learned something. Not we haven't even gotten to hockey yet, and you are already learning facts that you thought, "Wow, I didn't need to know that." That replaced something pretty critical in my head. That's it. And you look at it. Let's start introducing in some guys that uh, wear a lot of hats with their organization. Lucas, they they put in a lot of work here, and these guys could be uh, Milner's. They could be uh, Milner's of all trades. They could do more than just make hats. We start with a man who works with a uh, a squad that right now. Against Lucas's wishes, apparently, with his picks at the beginning of this season, sits atop not just the South Division, but the entirety of the NCDC. They are currently the favorites to lift the Founders Cup at the end of the regular season for the most points and best record in the NCDC all regular season long. It would be yet again another Founders Cup for them. I think they own all of them, it feels like, at this point, with the way they play in the regular season each year. Brett Luthner, good sir. Welcome into the podcast. Thank you for having me, sir, and sir too down there in Lucas. Um, and yes, I'm I'm wearing my my Hitman winter hat uh, only because I saw our other guest. Uh, he's wearing his jacket, so I, I felt like I had to get the New Jersey thing going on here with the Jersey Hitman. I went with the Navy one today, not the Carolina blue. 
Uh, just grabbed it, uh, but I could always get that one later. It's nice. I mean, and the big thing is you got to rock the logo because you mentioned your colleague here, your your counterpart, kind of like I call Lucas Monfrere from another mayor en Francais. And I think mm-hmm. Sean might be uh, two frere from another mayor right here. And and we look at the man up, actually, uh, who is uh, but look at this, even changing hats. Lucas, he's, he's not just a, a jack of all trades. He's a man of all hats. <laughs> it's a perfect. I, you know, I like the Carolina blue. I'm a I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big Carolina blue guy. You got to be careful. Carolina blue. It's technically not Carolina blue, by the way. Oh, yeah, name. that's it's true. It's technically not Carolina blue unless it is adorned in the meaning of UNC basketball or athletics. It must be used by UNC to be considered Carolina blue. It is not Carolina blue if not used by UNC. It is in fact some other blue. Cyan. And yet and yet when you go to a hitman practice or when they're doing their preseason tryouts, it's listed as Carolina on the scoreboard and on the sheets. And that's what it's all about. It's uh, you got to be careful. Watch out for UNC, the Tar Heels. And, and I'm and I'm a and I'm a UNC fan for basketball too. So go that's Tar Heels. Amazing. You just turn that inside out at the end of the season, and you start watching March Madness. I mean, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> we got to introduce him in now. Now I got to introduce him in. I'm making him sit here quietly. And you know what? He's kind of filling the Lucas role right now for Brett Luthner. He's kind of had to listen to Brett. He's had to take this in, and he, he's got to be planning a great intro here. He's rocking his Rockets hockey club guard. He's the man. He's the myth. And he is most well known as Sean the Show. Welcome to the show. Mr. Bretherick, our brethren from the Rockets Hockey Club. Thanks, guys. Well, you know, honestly, uh, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting last uh, few days for sure. Um, I don't really have much to show um, as far as um, as. Anything oh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> honestly, you know, it's it's been an interesting last couple of weeks, um, but it's some interesting hockey. Uh, ready to uh, dig into some NCDC stuff. Yeah, and now you guys have such a great view of the game, right? If if you've listened to a game on hockey TV, you've watched the Hitmen take the ice, you've watched the Rockets Hockey Club, or if you tuned in during the NCDC action, as well as the Premier and Elite at the USPHL's Winter Showcase, its Jewel event, you've heard these guys. And you know what? If you tuned in to MSG just a few weeks ago, <laughs> you heard a particular man with an incredible backdrop that he popped up for us before on the call for none other than a young Mr. Han, son of Alan Han, who scored his first NCDC goal with the Pal Junior Islanders, Sean. When Mr. Luthner was the one who seemed to find that one live, when that comes on, when that pops on your screen, when you see it going live on social media, how are you feeling with that one? Well, I needed to go here for myself first, and I needed to just double check that. Because, yeah, you want to you want to believe everything anybody, anybody says, and the trustworthiness is always there, obviously, but... You want to be able to listen to it for yourself because it's just like a, it's one of those, am I really hearing myself on TV right now? Like on Madison, on the Madison Square Garden Network, which is being played in New York City and the New York market, listened to and watched by hundreds of thousands of people every single night. Millions. That's, well, yeah, millions, especially when the games are on. Um, So, yeah, that was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a a twist for sure. Twitter was um, a bit of a was was a big was a big going for a little bit there. It's obviously calmed down since then, but uh, that's I kind of like it that way anyway. But 
that it was a pretty cool experience. I actually got to see uh, Zach actually just this weekend. Uh, the Rockets played him uh, played uh, PAL uh, two times this week. Um, one time on uh, Monday. Uh, thanks, Lucas. And uh, again <laughs> and on Saturday, um, where uh, they split them to both good games uh, performance wise. I think on the Rockets side of things. Uh, but it's just as just to see Zach and uh, to talk about that. It's just like hey. Listen, it's not every it's not every day that you can share a moment, even though he did all the work. Uh, you know, he did all the work. It's kind of nice to be able to share that moment, whether or not he goes anywhere, whether or not I go anywhere else. We'll have that at least to time capsule it uh, later on down the later on down the line, as long as that video doesn't uh, get erased from existence for some reason. <laughs> well, you got to hold on to it, Lucas. Make sure you add the millions portion of that. Make sure you add the you remembering Monday's game portion that to our annual <laughs> please don't fire us list that we have to send to our bosses each and every year. You know, in broadcasting folks, it's, it can sometimes be a loveless marriage, right? We can try to, we're always trying to prove to prove ourselves and prove the, prove the worth in the broadcasting game. And these are two guys, folks, that, that understand it through and through, whether it be in the minor league baseball cycle and seeing this circuit of, of, of the game where, you know, it, you talk about, you talk about broadcasting, you talk about junior hockey, you talk about uh, professional baseball like you talk about anything in the sport athletic realm you're always trying to prove yourself right and brett you've seen you know sean grow as a broadcaster and you've also seen players in all levels of all sport from behind the mic grow through the game you've seen guys that have dealt with the trials and tribulations can you kind of just talk about where your love of the game comes from and like like how'd you get into us man before we talk ncdc hockey i need to know brett luther i want the folks at home to know How'd you get behind the mic? How did this, how did this all come to happen? And where'd your love come from? Um, well, I could pin an exact date, uh, September 20, no, I'm sorry, October 26, 1980. My father and grandfather took me to Rangers Red Wings in Madison Square Garden. John Davidson in goal for the Rangers. Ulf Nielsen scored four goals. They came back from six, four down one, seven to six. I fell in love with the sport from that day on a year later. My grand, my same father and grandfather talk, took me to see the Oilers come to town. There was this guy, I don't know if you heard of him, uh, Wayne Gretzky, um, that was playing back then. Um, and then I became a, a Wayne Gretzky fan that day. Um, and uh, But I would always listen to the games and Marv Albert um, calling the games on because the Devils weren't in town yet. So Marv Albert was doing the Ranger games. And I would, I would have the earpiece in when I was falling asleep at night. And that... I, I would be walking home from the bus stop doing the play-by-play of a game in my head. I'd be down in the basement doing a play-by-play roller skating around as a little kid in my basement, um, which then graduated to video games and doing the play-by-play on a little mini boom box. I would set it up and have a tape ready to go and I'd hit it and I'd just, I'd be playing on a Commodore 64 and I'd be broadcasting the game and just, wow, it started early. And then, I love yeah, Lucas lighting up with that. Yep. It's just, <laughs> that's awesome. The, the the days when life was a little bit simpler, but yeah, I, I would just go to the basement and I would just sit there and, and I'm literally sitting there. I'd, I'd be like watching the screen, the joystick on the table beneath me. Right. And then I I just would reach over. I'd hit, I'd hit the pause button because it would be recorded, but then pause on those, those old tape things. And I would just be playing, glanced out at my index cards to see what lines were out there and all that stuff and forget it. And it just, it's been a snowball effect ever since. 
There's nothing better. And we talk about snowball effect. You know what I mean? And we want to talk NCDC hockey. We got to break mm-hmm. into the brains of the NCDC hockey brethren here. And there's been no better snowball effect than the one going on in Wayne, New Jersey right now, because the Jersey hitmen, you know, this is a team that when I was on site in October, talking with yourself, talking with Jim Hunt, talking with Toby Harris, with, with the Raymond family, talking with the entire crew, the mantra was like, you know, the talents there, we're just all getting to know one another, right? There's a lot of new faces in this locker room. We're trying to see who's going to take the, take the helm here. And all of a sudden, the floodgates have opened and the flooding waters are waters of wins. They are W for wins. 9-1-0-0 in your last 10. 54 points on the season right now, sitting atop the NCAC South by eight points over the Pal Junior Islanders with two games in hand, nine points above Sean's Rockets Hockey Club side, who we'll talk about in a bit, with nine with one game in hand on them. I mean, plus 73 in goal differential. The next closest differential is atop the Norris division with plus 20 for South Shore. This is a Hitmen team that has found their way. How has that happened for them? And and remember, they got off to a, what for them would be a slow start. They were 4-4-1 four, four, and one to start the season. And you, you, as they were everybody mentioned in the, in the program, they, you didn't quite know each other at that point. Made a couple moves on the roster here or there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the Marcin Kevich brothers, the twins, joined up. They got together. And I, I feel like they were starting to build it before um, the, the twins got together. And then once they got together, forget it. They, they've just taken off uh, Patrick's and Dominic's. And, and they had something to say in the game today. Again, uh, as we're recording this against the Philadelphia Hockey Club, they just uh, they have found the combination. Everybody, you know, they know their roles on the team. And, you know, once everybody settled into what they need to do, Toby can just send them on out there and, and, and Jim, they can just coach them up and, and basically do what they've been doing a lot of lately is a run rough shot over everybody, especially in the South division. Yeah. And that you got a guy, you know, you, you talk about Patrick's and Dominic's, but how about Alex Domeski who's going to, to Geneseo state, right. In the 2022, 2023 season, 22 goals for him, 20 assists. This kid's got three game winners, eight, power play goals and one shorthanded score. I mean, Alex Domeski might be quietly one of the most underrated players on the planet right now in the NCDC. He's quiet. He, he's just like, you don't notice him because obviously the top line is going to get all, all the, the love there, but Domeski just plays such a solid game. And that's the whole thing. You're not going to get ice time on any of these teams in the NCDC unless you're playing a nice, good, 200 foot game and, and Domeski's shown that he gets that time and you know you want to think it's like all right fine we'll take care of the Marcin Kevich boys and you know we'll be in decent shape no 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 uh Domeski comes in and, and he just he, it's not it can be anything spectacular but it's so solid what he does for the hitman and the dynamic he brings to the team and, and just it's you know something that you don't take for granted. I, I talked about on a, on a different broadcast about, you know, you sometimes need these glue guys, these, these guys that get in there and, and really help solidify a team. Domeski's definitely one of those guys uh, who's just got a really good scoring touch. Yeah. And then you look in net, 
you know, you talk about big shoes to fill, not just in terms of his play, but literally Chase Clark, the Capitals draft pick in the fifth round last year. You lose a guy like that and the big man Chase Clark and Peyton Greener comes in, doesn't just win 17 games for you, but he's saving over 92 percent of the shots he faces. He's he's real. He's he's quiet and net. You talk about Domeski kind of being quiet in the way he plays. Greener's quiet and net. He gets from post to post. He eats up pucks. You don't see a lot of those rebound chances. And it's really what I loved about Chase Clark last year for these guys. Talk about Peyton Greener, just how big of a calming presence he plays for them net out. And he played today against Philadelphia and and made I think it was thirty saves on the on the afternoon. Um, but he he does so well. He comes out. He he challenges shooters to try to beat him to corners, uh, which is usually not a, a, a wise proposition. Uh, he, he comes out when the time's right to challenge, as you said, gobbles up rebounds. I mean, there were very few rebound opportunities for Philadelphia this afternoon um, or in many games that he plays. Just He does so well to square up and to get down and absorb pucks. And I think as a goaltender, that is so big, not just stopping the puck, but can you absorb them? And he does such a great job with that. Um, he makes some reflex saves that are, you know, there were a couple in the game against Philadelphia that were crazy, you know, that had me just, ooh, you know, I, it took a step back. I'm like, wow, that was a nice save. So it, it, it's that and being able to control not just the rebounds, where they go, if there is going to be a rebound is a real, is a real key for him on an individual level. Then you add to it that the defense doesn't allow many players to get to the front of the net to get those rebound opportunities and it's a recipe for success for Peyton as well as for JJ Cataldo who's put up some good numbers this year too he's got a 925 save percentage uh uh he was the backup today but he's got a 925 save percentage this season he's probably going to play the next one on Friday I believe it is so you know when you got that you have goaltenders that absorb can can distribute rebounds to the proper places and then the defense doesn't allow anybody to get in. It's a whole mixture of things that, that just makes it real good for the hitmen. To close out the hitmen conversation real quick. I don't know if any of the boys on here know this, but how about Will Traeger who grills him for this Jersey hitman team? He's got a podcast of his own. He's not just putting up nine goals, 22 assists for the Jersey hitman NCDC, but he is also co-hosting a podcast called is that good Give a shout out there and go give those boys a follow. <laughs> is that good? Will Traeger alongside Vinny Gould, another former skater here. And, and this is the energy that these guys the have Come to on, play, play NCDC hockey and then go to a podcast. I can barely wake up and then four hours later record a podcast, let alone do what all these guys are doing in the meantime. Come on, they're doing it all. I mean, you're going to have to have them onto a show now, right? You're going to have to get yourself on there. I'm waiting for them to invite the game kick you on one of them. You know, uh, next time I see those guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on them with it a little bit. I got to get my own uh, my old Hudson Hockey podcast going again with my buddy John Peterson. Uh, Sean jumped in on that sometimes too. We got to get that thing fired up. But uh, yeah, go figure. Trags goes out there, gets a, an assist in tonight's game, and uh, then goes and does a podcast afterward. Vinny had a, an assist to, in the game as well. And yeah, sure, go out there, put in a shift. Then go back to a podcast. No big deal for those guys, huh? They can they can do our jobs easily. We would have a much dip, more difficult time doing theirs. And we go to a man who, you know, we talk about extra podcasts. I've been talking about doing a NASCAR podcast, and I started rethinking it after I got chirped for playing NASCAR Heat by by <laughs> Sean Bretherick, who we're bringing in. Telling you, I, I don't. First of all, before I ask you about the Rockets Hockey Club, okay, before we get into that, what what's wrong with NASCAR Heat? 
But this new game they made, what is this new NASCAR game? Absolute garbage. It is impossible. What do you got going on? Why oh, you're you're an iRacing guy? Yes. And that's all you have. <laughs> that's a very Lucas answer to me. Right there, right? That, and I feel, but like, what's wrong with NASCAR? Hey, explain to me what's wrong. Um, it's hard to go into. It's kind of hard to go into detail about what is isn't all that great with it. Um, I mean, like, it's just it's not a tech. It's not necessarily a bad game, but yeah, you know, you know, if you want to call yourself, you want to call yourself a guy that likes to race, you know, uh, games. That's a game you can Fire. do. <laughs> yeah, you can play that. You can play that game. You can play that game with one of these. That's fine. Um, but wait, you know, I wait prefer, for it, guys. I prefer the I prefer the wheel and the seat, which I don't have a picture on me, but it's it's back in that room over there behind me. Okay. Uh, but that's just that's just what I prefer. Um, I prefer a little more realism, a little more you, you know, to actually force, speed, force feedback and. An all online immersive experience that allows you to play to drive um hundreds of cars and hundreds of tracks and the right, one race and one practice session is different from every other one. It's but, just it's, and, it's a gift that keeps on giving since like and, but if, and keep it and keep in mind he hasn't even told you about don't you I, Sean if I'm not mistaken, you have the VR version of the things too, right? Well, yeah, you could pop a VR headset on there. And or you could play through a $40 controller like a schmuck is basically you know what, what I you're saying. <laughs> I got a controller next to me. I was just, I'm a real warrior, all right? I, I can get it as long as it's a remote, not a uh, real steering wheel. I'm sorry. That was bad on me. I should have what? what you want me to drive around <laughs> in a car experience, and I can barely parallel Sorry. Let me, now I'm going to get behind I, a I got a controller people. that's going to be more your pace. Um so we'll just go with this. It is. Oh, yeah, okay. There it is. Wait, the PS2. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. How about how about it's this a three? One? Oh, it's yeah, three. Oh, well, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Brett's got it. That's that is my level of expertise when it comes to gaming. Okay. I mean, this one, this this one is pretty heavy in your hands. I think a, according to what Sean drives NASCAR, Dan, you may, you and I may as well be using an NES controller. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm basically racing on Pong. That's what I'm doing. I'm just seeing how fast my Pong dot to get to the other side of the screen. You could, you could actually, we can go even further down. We can do one of these. Oh, oh there it is. For the folks at home, we've got an Atari setup coming out of, out of Mr. Luthner here. And, you know, a team that certainly doesn't play like they're on Atari, a team that certainly could get behind the iRacing rig and play some fast, high-flying action is Coach Kersner. Our fashion extraordinaire for the Dan K Show. He's officially in charge of fashion. Coach Kersner, his Rockets Hockey Club team. You want to talk about similar to the Jersey Hitmen, slow out of the gates after a championship run. But I got to tell you, one of my favorite skaters on the planet, the Baron, Baron Woodring, who I really feel like should have a Vaughn in the middle there just to really sell it home. But Baron Woodring, ringing the post, man, putting pucks home. Sean, you've gotten a chance to be close to this Rockets Hockey Club team all season long. Talk to us about it. What, what do we got to know about the Rockets? Well, that, that you know, it seemed like it was more or less a similar start. I think you had, uh, you know, in the beginning, yeah, you, had, you had some good, you had some good, you had some not so good. Um, definitely were, you know, they were hovering around 500 for the good portion of the year. Um, but yeah, and you know, as you guys mentioned, uh, you know, the, uh, the stretch run that they went, they went through recently. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, there was, 
maybe some maybe some tinkering here and there with the roster, but ultimately the you know the core guys were there. It's just all about the the supporting cast that changed. Who's still there? Kovalis. Who's still uh, you know Evan Brown who started the season. He's on that top line. Baron uh, Baron Woodring who last year took was from last year. He made an incredible step up um, because he was on uh, this like the second third line situation on, on on the NCDC squad and he's just made it just such a huge step forward uh yeah. big fella 62195 like you know i th- his he has made so many and i punk really intended he's made strides in his skating and his in his quickness yeah. and you know the fact of the matter is you have him and johnny wesco i mean there were this the rocket team doesn't go anywhere without guys like Felice, johnny wesco uh, and and to start the season off, you know their entire defense basically minus uh, a couple minus uh, J- minus Jack Page, who they don't have now because he's obviously off doing bigger and better things now at BU. Yeah, which um, is a great achievement, by the way. How about Jack Page making that move, man? Going up to B. We got we and we have uh, we have a lot of other guys that are making that next step. Another guy on defense, Jason Gallucci, who's headed to Penn State. Um, Gino Petrora, our goaltender, who is headed to Minnesota. No, not Minnesota Duluth, not Minnesota, you know, not Minnesota State, not, you know, any of these other schools. Minnesota, the Gophers. Okay. Everybody who's not a Golden Gopher fan watching today's show in the state of Minnesota, as we call it the state of hockey, who we have to go see in three weeks. That's Sean talking, not Lucas or I. So do not throw <laughs> snowballs at us. I know it's very cold up there, and we're going to be ice fishing, Sean. You may get us sent down a hole. Well, listen. It's I could take I could take the cold. You just tell me how cold. And I'll just tell you how many layers I put on. That's all it is. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's nothing. It's nothing much to it, my friends. So As I mean, I listen. Back on my Florida hat. It's the guys, but again, it's it's the supporting cast that that has that has been added on here. Um, Chris Chris Alexander has been incredible energy in that bottom six spot uh, for this team. Bringing back Finn Sayers has been has been a big deal. Um, yeah. Jonas Dobnik, who who started the season off, he was you know kind of like, was he going to be on this team? He's also on a USHL team in the in you know supposedly preseason. Is he going to be around? Well, he's fit into a role of his own in that like top nine and that third line spot, really providing a lot of energy. Uh, and then you have guys like uh, you know Ryan Shelling, and then it's it's the guys that are around them. Uh, Kyle Katessa, who's who's been around the Rockets program forever, it would seem, uh, you know, and then you get guys that will come in like Nick Cyprian, who come in sometimes from premier Matt, Matt Fortin will come in. Um, but I think we go back to it. The defense, I think, was the key early on. Uh, I think the chemistry with the defense really, really proved to be the, the factor of why they were able to solidify themselves and make a run. Yeah. Uh, when you have a guy, when you have guys, all of them together, Gallucci, Peo, Staklosa, Page, um, and Jack Barbro for to a point. Uh, most those were the those were the main guys that started it. I mean, Shane uh, Conlon was also there as well. Um, but you know, then you add guys in the back, uh, Kevin Fitzgerald, who just scored his first goal uh, the other day uh, for the for the Rockets. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite ones at um, number sixteen, Alexis Dujemont, uh from France. He's, he's actually from France, not Canada. He's 
French. There you go. Um, added some extra extra depth in that back in that back end of the back end of the blue line, and being able to help out with the subtraction of Jack Page. Gallucci and Peos have been fantastic. Stocklosa has provided has provided great depth. Barbro's been there been there very good. And uh, then you again, you know, Fitzgerald's been on the on the power play left wing D or left side D. Uh, that just shows you how much they like about they like him. And you know, then you have again, like I said, Alexis Dujamon. Uh, you know, Brendan Pomerantz will come up for for a spell. Shane McElhinney got got his supply time. Uh, those that's the defense that has solidified itself. And then you have the offense that. You know, once they got clicking, and especially on the power play, do not go against, do not go on the power play against this team. Just don't do it, unless if you're the hitman, you can do it. Then that's fine. But if you're anybody, <laughs> if you're anybody else, if you're anybody else, well, maybe the hitman at the icefall. But if any any case, uh, don't do it against this team. They have two or three different ways to score a goal on you, and you won't even know where it's. You don't have any idea where the shot's going to be coming from. Um, and you know. You look at this team, you look at this Rockets hockey club team, and you talk about if you're anybody else, if you're not the hitman, right? And now I want to dig into everyone else because we've gotten a chance to see this league as a whole kind of this. You want to talk about we always we always in any sport, in any league, we talk about parody, right? And for, for many folks, they might think that like you would describe a pirate, a captain on a ship as parody. Why? Because he's got a parrot on his shoulder. But no, you would describe a, a broadcaster who might copy what you say, like if Lucas copied something I said, I would say, Lucas, you're being very parody. You're squawking it again. And you, what you would look at here, though, parody, P-A-R-I-T-Y, is what we're getting right now. We are calling the NCDC the parody party. You look from top to bottom in the South and North divisions, and anybody can win on any given day. Just about every team has beaten every team once this year. Let's start at the top of the North. Let's start with the South Shore Kings right now who sit Points-wise, in a three-way tie with the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs and the Boston Junior Bruins. But let's talk Netflix superstar, Holy Cannoli, its head coach, Drew Omacholi, and his South Shore Kings. This team is creative. This team has ability. And Lucas, I'd like to start with you with South Shore because I told you how good they would be at the start of the year. You technically apparently didn't believe me. And now I have yet again been proven right by Chikara Hanzawa, the artist, and the crew from South Shore. Well, I think the first thing is is I try not to believe you as much as possible. Um, I don't want to be influenced by uh, and by you as much as as much as possible. I think it'd be weird if I stole some of your catchphrases, uh, considering that I am very much not that kind of broadcaster. Uh, I think people would notice it almost immediately. Um, but I, I think there's two things I think we really want to consider. And and Sean, I, I like your point about the power play because Rockets Hockey Club, 25% power play success, second only to the Hitmen. There is not just a lot of goals coming out of you guys right now. There's a lot of goals coming out of everybody. But the interesting stat I've got is that of the 13 teams in the NCDC, only six have a positive goal differential. And then once you break that down even more, of those six, half are single digits. You've got teams in second place in the North in the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs that are negative goal differential. So, Dan, to back up your point about parity, it truly is a, a division and a, a level where anybody can beat anybody. And I think for South Shore, that's resulted in them kind of breaking this three-way tie here because obviously 34 games played instead of 37. 
I think South Shore's success, as you say, has come from Chikara Hanzawa, but it is all the way up and down that roster. One of the most terrifying things about South Shore is that year after year, they put together a team that is built for the entirety of the season. They're not built for the second quarter poll or the second half of the season. They're not trying to, you know, get you know, people at the last minute, like last three weeks of the season, try to load up and make a run for playoffs. They are a slow developing team. They are a slow burn of a squad. I think they proved it this year. Obviously, Dan was on top of it because he called it from the beginning. He knew they were going to be coming at him. But I mean, I, I think it's pretty easy to see why they are where they are, right? You you look at the fact that they're winning close games. I call it the high wire act. They only have a plus 20 goal differential, despite the fact that their winning percentage is above a 63%. So you got a team that's built to win close games. You've got a bunch of guys who can score the puck. You've got the best offense in the North, 130 goals for. And I think when you break when you break it down, you start going category by category, best power play in the North, right? You've got third best penalty kill in the North. So it's just a team that's built to succeed. There, It feels like there's no weak spots when you watch South Shore play. Every line can skate. Every line can hit. They can beat you fast. They can beat you physically. And, and it just feels like they can't be stopped with the momentum that they've built now going into February. And Lucas, yeah, just to, and, oh yeah, go ahead, Brent. I was about to say to build to to piggyback on that, Lucas. Uh, South Shore eleven five two and one in games decided by two goals or less, and and that shows you how much how close the games are that they play in, and they're getting the wins done uh, in those games, two goals or less. And then when you even look at it a little bit further on the road, South Shore in one goal game six three two and one. It's just, it's crazy what they're doing, especially away from home, but they're doing a really good job up there in the North. And, and Brett, talk to, talk to the folks at home. I mean, obviously a guy who's been around the game for a long time and understands this thing inside and out, you've seen championship teams, championship teams win close games, right? They, they, the puck bounces the right way. You talk about it in baseball. How many times do we talk in baseball about a championship team? The difference between a championship team and missing the playoffs is, is what at the end of a major league baseball season, you're going to win 40, you're going to lose 40, you're going to win 60, you're going to lose 60. It's those middle games. It's those one run games. It's those, it's those, those little bounces within the framework of action that can change a season. How important are these one goal wins, these close victories for a team like South Shore? Well, I'll give you a baseball stat on that for the team I work for the Sussex County Miners in the two seasons that they won, won the championship and the other year lost in the championship. They had 20 walk-off wins. So it shows you in, in that end winning the close games, those late last minute type of things. It's so important. And you sit here this year and you look at what teams are doing good in one goal games, particularly on the road when you, you know, you got to get in the bus, you got to go a few hours to where you're going to play, get off and play a game. How about the how about the Powell Islanders eight one zero and one on the road in one goal games? You know that's another, and they're having a good season too. You see all the teams though: Jersey Hitmen on the road six and one in one goal games. Uh, you know a lot of these teams in one goal game. I'm sorry, that's leading up one period. They're six, they're four and two in one goal games on the road. Um, but you see some others: Rockets three zero zero and one in a one goal game on the road. You know if you can get this done on the road, that's especially important. You know, when you given you go on the road in a playoff series, 
it's a best of three and you're not home for any of them, it, it becomes that much more important to find ways to get points when you're away from home. And some of the teams that are putting in a good shift in terms of the standings, uh, they're doing that right now. Yeah, and, and you look at the standings right now, one of the hotter teams in the North, I mean, you got to look at the Northern Cyclones. They, they, they're, they're starting to heat up a bit. And this is a team that, you know, Coach Bill Flanagan, I call him the John Tortorella of the NCDC, right? You're going to block shots. You're going to hit hard. You got Kaylee Flanagan behind that bench, an Olympic gold medalist. Like, this is, a, this is a team that's built from the net out year in and year out. They've given the best of the best in the NCDC trouble each and every year. There's never an easy win against Northern. I mean, gentlemen, you've both had a chance to see plenty of Northern Cyclones hockey over the years. What's, the, what's this team looking like this year? Same, you know, it's, it, they'll get off to a slow start once in a while, but, you know, Coach Flanagan, as you had mentioned, he, they bring such a, a sound defensive style to their game and they sacrifice the body to get in the way of shots. Um, and they'll turn defense into offense. That's the way they're going to try to play a game against you. And, you know, you're, going to get a lot of close games with them as well just because that's the style that they do but you give that northern cyclones team a lead all right leading after two periods 13 to 0 and 2 so you they got a lead after two periods as is a lot of teams in this league and they're going to shut it down so you know you you want to make sure you get out ahead of the cyclones early on to to be able to try to dictate the terms of play because they're they're not going to they're not going to allow you to do much in your game if they're the ones in front. You know, yeah. Cyclones this year, what are shots against per game as I'm uh, looking it up? You know, they, they allow 35 shots a game, but they're, you know, that, that, that's the key for them. If they can keep the puck out of the net and they've done it real good, their team goals against it is a 297. So, you, you know, you can get shots, but where are they coming from? probably from outside perimeter, not too many in the grade A areas. And if they can turn that defense into offense, that, that makes them a really good team. Sean, we've talked Powell, we've talked Jersey, we've talked the Rockets, we talked a little bit of Northern Cyclones, we talked about uh, South Shore at the top there right now in the North. Who's a team that you think that we might be missing right now that you've gotten a chance to call a game for that, that, that maybe – spotlights in your mind as a potential troublesome squad down the road here. I mean, you look at, I think you look at a team like, I think you look at a team like the junior Bruins, they're always seem to be in the mix. Um, One one way or another, Um, you know, any team in that division, in that North division, you know, don't let the, the lack of points fool you that, you know, that's a, you know, it's a good old black and blue division. These are teams that are beating each other up for 60 minutes, sometimes even further more than that. Uh, so, you know, yeah, the junior Bruins are a team, you know, I've seen the Boston advantage a couple of times, though they're down there at 34 points, Twin City, the same thing. Um, but, you know, the junior Bruins are right there tied at tied at the top of 43 points in that division. They're always in the mix every single time, you know, it's without without fail. And they could be a team to they could be a team to look for, uh, you know, Six and uh, six, three and one, their last 10, you know, just doing exactly what they need to do. They're always, they always seem to be like a finalist in the Deneen Cup when things are normal. Uh, unlike last year, they usually, they usually seem to be in it. 
So yeah, I mean that's that's a, that's a squad I would look at as far as uh, maybe a dark horse, maybe something that's not being talked about as much. Although in NCDC, I'd be hard pressed to believe that the Junior Bruins would not be discussed. But and yeah. you know, with everything, with with all these other teams being all pretty much all clustered in together, sometimes maybe even a team like the Junior Bruins, who have been historically for since the very beginning of uh, NCDC's formation has been always been at the very top and at the class, top of the class. Uh, Do you want to hear the most interesting stat on the junior Bruins on this NCDC team? What you is talk it? about when, when you have parity, when you're close in the standings, right? Yep. Zero wins in overtime, zero wins in shootout action. They are three overtime losses, two shootout losses this year, yet to win in extra time. Looking at the standings, they are one of just three teams to hold that stat. Another one alongside of them with zero overtime wins is the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. But guess what? Five and two in the shootout. So five shootout wins for New Hampshire. That's a 10-point swing. Sorry, a five-point swing in terms of you're taking the one for the OT and the shootout loss to five shootout wins. The little things that can kind of change the way the standings look without actually changing who the teams are and who the power players are for a use a hockey term to talk about some of the power players in these divisions. Lucas, this junior Bruins team, they've struggled in overtime. Is that something that worries you or is that something that excites you about the possibilities come the end of the season and playoff time? I don't think that worries me at all. I mean, you just don't go to overtime. Right. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you know, right. It, it seems fun. so simple to say, but <laughs> I'm mad. Don't yeah. If you if you're not good in overtime, don't go to overtime. You know, I think what that says about the Junior Bruins is that they are a 60 minute team. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You you look at exactly you you look at how many overtime games that they've had. Right, you're looking at what four. You're looking at a handful of games. So what does that tell you? That tells me that this is a team that needs to fight for 60 minutes. This is a team that needs to pull the netminder and get another attacker out there. This is a team that should be fighting tooth and nail to dominate you early in the first and second period. If I'm the junior Bruins, obviously you're going to be focusing on, hey, why do we keep losing in overtime, right? What What is the root cause there? But uh, you talk about the way that Mike Anderson coaches that team. They want to get out there and they want to step on you in the first. They don't want to fall behind. They want to get out there and control the puck. It's what they do year after year, right? It's it's how they beat the Connecticut Junior Rangers. It's how in the championship, it's how they beat teams from all across the USPHL. They they try to get out early. They try to make it one nothing, two nothing, two one maybe, but they never quite let up. And I think one of the reasons they don't let up is you have the second lowest penalty minutes. In that North Division, 349 to IHC's 347, so a veritable tie for least amount. The two best power plays are in the South, the Rockets and the Hitmen. So you talk about not just a team that is built to contain an offense. When you don't take penalties, you're really good at containing. You're playing five on five. You're playing systems. You're supporting your goalie. You're not getting, you're not, you guys aren't getting out there with long shifts. A team that might be purpose built, it seems. To take on whoever comes out of that South and take on some of the powerhouse teams that are looking to come out of that South division, I am always encouraged. Now, I know we said this about the Toledo Cherokee last year, that teams that take a lot of penalty minutes can't be successful. I know they proved us wrong. 
But that's because the Toledo Cherokee are unique. They are the exception to the rule. I still firmly believe that a team that takes too many penalty minutes is worse off than a team that's bad in overtime. Because penalty minutes are a 60-minute problem. Overtime is a a once-in-a-lifetime type of problem. So I like the Junior Bruins. I really agree with Sean here. I think that even though they are not in first place because of the, the games in hand, I think they're, as always, not just a conversation because of the legacy of the team, but they're once again a conversation because of the team that's currently on the ice, because of the team that they have put together. And yes, they've hit their streaks. I mean... It seems like every team's hit their streaks where they just haven't been able to find a win. They're sitting at a plus three goal differential, but they're sitting at a plus three because of good defense, right? And and the offense necessarily not always being there, but I, I agree. I mean, I think the Junior Bruins are a team that is built to go the distance. I think it's because of the discipline. The discipline kind of infects all other areas of that game. Now we stick, I want to go to one last team talking about this overtime mantra, this extra time mantra. And you look at the standings in the South and I'm going to get Brett and Sean's thoughts on this roster and this team. How about the Philadelphia hockey club who have played 13 overtime or shootout games of their 37, 13 of their 37 games this year, more than one third of their contests have been decided in overtime or a shootout. If, perfect world. I know we don't live in the perfect world. If they were to take the full two points out of all of those contests, they would be the second best team in the South Division, jumping the Rockets in the standings, tied with Pal at 46 points. Sean and Brett, what are your thoughts on this Philadelphia team who you've gotten to see a lot of in that South Division? Philadelphia Hockey Club is this a team you worry about come playoff time? Is this a team? I mean, where do they sit for you guys? Right. You saw them today. What you think? Yeah. Um, they're a first period team. Um, if they could take what they do in the first period and bring it to the second and third, you know, then, then they, I think they'd be a much more dangerous team. But Philadelphia, you know, coming into today's games, not including the out shot the hitmen in the first period today but coming into today's games they had the widest shot differential between them and their opponents 396 to 336 coming into today's action and they outshot the hitmen 13 11 in the first period today so they do the work in the first period they were down one nothing after the first period but it's, you know it's still you know you're putting shots on net you're getting the rubber at the goal it's carrying that over into the second and third period when all the other top teams they're throwing more rubber, more rubber, more rubber at the net. And Philadelphia, they just can't get that offense going. If they could take what they do in the first period and carry it through for all three periods, Ryland Furster is going to have himself a, a dangerous team in the playoffs. But they got to do it for a full 60 minutes, not the first 20. Yeah, Sean, what have you seen there in Bridgewater as Philly comes into town? You know, it's an inter- it's an interesting concept the way that they the way that they uh you know the way that they play. They have you know they you wouldn't say that they have a number one guy, their top scorer is Carter Newland. Um I think that their best player or players are the Carlson brothers. Um I think they're the ones that that provide the energy. Uh they always have when they when they've come to play uh, at Bridgewater. Um, you know, but they're a team that is you know, pretty solid up and down. Um, obviously they play low, they try to keep it close and keep it tight over time and shootouts. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, cl- pretty, um, clear to see, 
um, you know, when you have when you have that that kind of uh, output as far as your uh, your wins and losses and whatnot. Uh, but it's it's an interesting team. Like you see, I'm seeing about two or three of their top five or ten scorers uh, are actually other defensemen. Thronson and Hamlet are are two of their top scorers. Uh, these are guys that you know throwing the pucks on net, guys that are just cleaning up in front of the net. Um, you know, just doing the simple things. You know, they got guys that are just kind of grinding it out. Um, like I said, you know, Carter Newland's got the twelve goals. You got two guys with ten. You got a uh, Tamir uh, Alishalov with with uh, with nine. He's got he's got there. Um, you know, the Carlsons don't have the points per se, but it shows out on the ice when you watch. Uh, with those two guys, Caden and Cole. And, you know, that to me is is, is interesting because one shot or deflection goes one way or another, especially in a playoff game, as we, talk, as we were just saying, whole thing changes. And, you know, as of right, and as it stands right now, you know, as it stands right now, they're tied with Utica, but they have two games in hand. Yep. Um, that would be an interesting team to face for the hitmen, if the hitmen weren't um, weren't white hot to the touch right now, and I want to know in the last ten, but you know, at some point in time that needs to cool off, and you just hope that it doesn't happen right at the end because then things get a little eh, tricky, and that happens, and that and that goes for any team anyway going into the playoffs. But that could get interesting because of those overtime numbers. Um, if Philadelphia and Jersey just Head to head, nobody's really hotter than the other. Just go go ahead. That could be that could get interesting in the first round there. Now we go to penalty killing, right? And and you always look the hitmen right now. You know when you're number one overall, you tend to kill the penalty well. They're not just number one on the penalty kill; they're number one on the power play. Twenty six point two percent success rate on the power play, eighty six point nine percent success rate in the penalty kill. But sitting at number two in the penalty kill is a team we haven't talked about yet who sits in a three-way tie for first, a team that has taken on a mentality. You know, they, they, they Clint Edinger behind the bench for this team. This is a muscle guy. This is a tough guy. This is a guy who grinds it out in the gym. And when he grinds his coffee, he adds a little hint of blueberry. We were behind him. Just a touch. And you know, when, <laughs> when you're, when you're able to rock like 250 on the bench for like 50 reps, and you also had a little dash of blueberry to your Dunkin' Ice cold coffee. I'm like, I'm into that. I'm into what Clint Edinger has. And he said to us earlier this year, uh, while Lucas was dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage, he said, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said he wanted to be a team that outworked everyone. And on a penalty kill, they're doing just that 86.5% success rate. For, uh, I mean, you look at this squad, they know how to battle. They know how to fight hard in these situations where they go down a man. They've scored 10 shorthanded goals for this year. That is more than anyone else in the league. That is three more than anyone else in the league. Right now, a tie per second between the Northern Cyclones and the Junior Bruins. Who would have guessed that two teams that know how to play a systems-based defense would score seven? But this, this New Hampshire team, Lucas, I start with you. This is a grinded-out squad, and we've been on the call for a few other games. Listen, this this statement might be a little contentious depending on, I guess, who's on the receiving end of it. I would rather take a team with a great penalty kill than a team with a great power play, even a good power play. The penalty kill is way more likely to have any type of actual impact on a game because you look at you look at the top 
teams. And there is not much difference in the penalty kill, right? The difference becomes in the power play. So when you're stuck going up against a team like the Hitmen, a team like the Rockets, who are great on the power play, not just in percentage, but in volume as well, right? Because skill creates those penalties, gives you those opportunities. I would rather have a lockdown penalty kill to be able to save me in those moments because a great penalty kill, what does it do? Not only does it rob a team of a good opportunity, right? So if you get stuck in a situation where you have to take a penalty, right? You talk about the the U.S. versus Canada women's hockey game that just happened uh, Tuesday night, or sorry, Monday night, because today is Tuesday, tomorrow will be Wednesday when you're listening, maybe. But you look at the 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 penalty that was taken bit of a soft call in my in my estimation that caused the shootout or sorry that caused the penalty shot that penalty is a necessary penalty to try to take because you're trying to stop a breakaway right but let's say that doesn't create the shootout as it shouldn't have let's say it creates a normal power play you have to be able to survive those moments where you're stuck either responding to physicality or responding to a scoring attempt so i think the monarchs because of that penalty kill because of that really solid systems defense that is what's bring that's brought them to this level they're at i would rather have that i think that's one of their greatest assets i love a good shorthanded goal i'm always a fan of that and i think to just to wrap up the the point about defense is here i mean defense takes away opportunities and defense will wear you down Right. The Jersey Hitmen, the year they lost to the Northern Cyclones in the opening round of the playoffs. What did Northern bring to the table? They brought a whole bunch of wrenches and they used them to grind up every single gear that the Jersey Hitmen were trying to run through. So I think this Monarchs team, I don't think this is just an on paper Monarchs team. I think if they commit to the play style, if they commit to being that monkey wrench in the gear, I think that'll take you a really long way. And the standings, the standings answer the question too. And Brett will jump to you in a second. You look at it, this, you look at home and away split. Mm-hmm. The best team in the North Division at away from home, the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs with that, that grinded out style. The second worst team in the division at home, the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. You know, they like to be up against it. They like to play too. Yep. Brett, what do you have? So the exact opposite of that record, uh, the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs at home on a penalty kill uh, on Lucas's point, 90.5%. They've killed off all but six out of 63 attempts this year. So, you know, when you're talking 57 out of 63, that's getting a job done at home. But then you flip it on the road. And I said, you know, the, the big teams are going to be able to get this stuff done on the road. They're actually sixth in the league, 83.3%. It's 13 scored against them on 78 uh, power play attempts against. So it's can we see them elevate that just a little bit more on the road? That would to me, that would make them just that much more dangerous, because if you have to play a road game, you want to be able to bring everything to the table. You know, you, you want to be able to bring your special teams power play and penalty kill. You want to be able to bring that on the road. The way it's looking right now, the Hitmen aren't going to be playing a road game. But, you know, if they did, they're the top road power play team and the top road penalty kill in the league. So, you know, you're looking at all this stuff. What can you do home and away? Um, getting that stuff done away is what's really going to help. I, I guess I would almost bet if you go back and look at those Northern Cyclones teams, they had good numbers on the road that helped them overcome some of the adversity. And like you said, just 
I, I remember that series against the Hitman. They totally just locked it down against Jersey. They didn't allow the Hitman to skate at all in that series and yep. walk out of there with a win. You know, but you have to be able to do it away from home if you want to get these points to get home ice advantage. And if you don't, at least you'll be able to carry it on the road. So let's see what they can do in, in terms of the Monarchs, in terms of how they get their special teams going away from home. Now, Sean, we go to you here with the, the last two teams we haven't talked about in the South Division. Yep. You look at Utica, you look at Connecticut. And, you know, this is where we talk about parity. Like, I have watched Connecticut beat up on the Boston Junior Bruins at a showcase earlier this year. I have watched Utica. Utica earlier this year sat in first place and seemed unbeatable for a long stretch of time. And this is a place where you don't want to travel. Like Coach Ejikate looked like he was an absolute ringer for Coach of the Year in the NCDC. He seemed like it would be the easiest selection of all time. I believe he started 5-0 and to start his career, the best start for an NCDC coach in history. So, like, you look at you look at these two teams. What do you see when you think Utica? What do you see when you think Connecticut? Uh, what, what have you gotten out of these guys so far? Well, with Utica, yeah, and I agree. And I see and I saw that that team really make some noise in the early going. Um, you know, one of their top scorers and still would and and if he were to rejoin the team today, would be second on the team in goals, Dylan Wild. He's no longer there. Uh, you know, you know, you got guys that you have obviously John Gutt. I can't say it without the the draw on the back of my throat. I just can't do it any other way. Um Owen oh, Carlisle's another guy. Those are the two guys. You know, Dylan Wild ends up in there. And then, you know, you get a whole bunch of guys, you know, nine, eight, there's a couple in there. Um, you know, having that extra score is is pretty crucial. Um, you know, and then he, you know, the goaltend the goaltending has always been good with Woods. Um, you know, they have they've had a couple other guys, they've had a couple other guys come in, Ethan Niche, uh, for example, uh, with the nine one two. Uh, you know it's kind of, it's been kind of, it's been kind of tough. You know, they've faced some teams in this South division um, that have some good, that have good scoring. I, and I think it's been really more or less the pace. Yeah. Um, I think the pace has been, has been the, has been the big deal uh, for, for, for these other teams against Utica, uh, you know, and CJR 2.2, uh, you know, we, you know, Jersey, the, the Hitmen and the Rockets, PAL just by sure, but just by sheer uh, grit and determination, how they always play. Um, so always, you know, that's one thing that you look at against a team like Utica or, or CJR that, you know, maybe the difference in, you know, in winning and losing and being at the top or at the bottom of the standings, uh, you know, CJR has got a couple of really, really good, um, really good scorers, obviously, uh, Lavushkin is with the 34, 34 points, 20 and 14. It's that's, that's, that's insanity. Uh, you know, there's, there's some good names in there, but I think if I remember correctly on this is that they're goaltending and 907 and he had a 907 from Derek Manzella, who has been great. Uh, but his goals against is a 3.49. So what does that mean? You have a pretty decent save percentage, but the goals against, eh, that's about that's three and a half. Uh, you know, it tells you that, yeah, he's facing a lot of shots, but when you face a lot of shots, one's going to go in every once in a while. That also include that also helps the fact that he's 10 and 10 with four overtime loose losses and two shootout losses. Those are the big ones. Um, so I think defensively, obviously you see, again, mentioned the skating, mentioned the pacing, uh, 
the defense, some defenses can get turned around. And I think in this case, and for some cases for CJR and Utica, I think that's been the case um, where, you know, they've been uh, sent to track meets, if you will. And they just unfortunately haven't been able to get that last kick, if you will. 100%. And you look at it right now. I mean, the, the addition of James Sarapak, who went for 10 and 12 with South Shore for the Utica Junior Comets, the centerman, six foot, two inch tall, 180 pound right shot. Year 2001, that could be a big, big game changer for them. Lucas, we talk about game changers. One that might be a game changer in the North Division is Dan Hodges' Twin City Thunder. I mean, if there's one thing we know about Haji Baby, okay, as we call him, Dan Hodge, who, uh, you know, he's he's a guy who, gentlemen, I don't know if you ever heard about our future business venture, but we may just be cutting Dan Hodges on the deal. It's a, uh, you know, you go up to Maine early in the autumn, and there's nothing better than the foliage. And what's just as good as foliage? Hanging out with your bros. So Dan K. Show presents Foliage <laughs> Tours. Hey, do you like fine foliage in the beautiful hills of Maine? Well, guess what? You can come up. You can enjoy some Twin City Thunder hot hitting hockey. And you can have a Broliage Tour unlike any other. Horseback riding, hockey playing, Maine brings you the Broliage Tour. And you'll be all right to park your car any way you want. <laughs> you can pack your cab out of habit if you want to. Yeah, I was about to say, since, since when did Jersey get off the main there? Yeah, it's uh, well, that's it. It's a Jersey uh, business venture moving out of state. Yeah, yeah you know, it's uh, <laughs> I suppose so. By the way, I just, I, uh, I, I just wanted to bring this up about the Comets, by the way. Um, they got off to a 7 1 1 start, and that team is capable of getting back to that level. And if if they can, that that makes it a difficult opponent in the first round. I mean, that seven one one stretch started. Uh, I mean, actually, one of the stops was a six two win at at the Ice Vault against the Hitmen. You know, they had some good wins there. Probably not going to be able to get any home games at the Adirondack Bank Center, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, if that team gets back to that form, look out. They could be very very dangerous. 100%. And, and Lucas, we, we talked about dangerous with Twin City. Nothing more dangerous than Dan breaking out an accent for a local regionality. <laughs> it's never good when I do that. The best was when I tried to do a uh, an English accent and we had a, a whole viewing party out in England watching Mr. Kyle Watson of the Hampton Roads Whalers letting us know that we sounded, I sounded more like, I asked what region of England I sounded like I was from and they said Auckland, New Zealand. That was the region. Of <laughs> said I just, like just a little bit away. Just a couple of, <laughs> a couple of miles. quick yeah, a couple of quick 24-hour flights away, Dan. A hop, skip, and three different two-day flights. But, uh, but Lucas, <laughs> this Twin City team, you know, you want to talk – we talked about Coach Clinettinger, We talk, and Sean brought it up best. He said, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like it's a battle each and every day in the North Division, and the Norris as, uh, as the great uh, boomer would say, as uh, Chris Berman from ESPN, the Norris Division. And, and you look at it, I mean, your teeth got to be chattering when you see Nathan Chickering the right winger with an even 15-15 score line. I mean, this is a team that can get it done on both ends. And when you're playing hockey for Coach Dan Hodge, Lucas, you got to be able to move the puck, you got to pass it crisp, and you got to be able to, you got to be willing to hit. Yeah, I think the big thing for me with Twin City is the physicality, obviously. I am a sucker for a defensive team. I always have been. I always will be. Um, but I think the thing to watch out for with Twin City is we talked a little bit about goal differential today. And obviously there's an outlier in the Jersey Hitmen. Statistically, let's get rid of them for the sake of argument. You've got the Twin City Thunder 
sitting in fifth place in the North Division with a positive goal differential where two teams above them, Northern Cyclones and the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs, sitting in a negative. Now, obviously, you're dealing with very small increments of numbers here. But I think that number combined with their low penalty minutes, I think that to me paints a picture of your surprise team. That is the team that can really get you. And I think it's because, you know, they're they're building on something here, right? So 5-3-0-2 in their last 10. Uh, they are certainly have been ebb and flow. But if they can flow in the right moment, if they can flow as they get a little bit closer, if they can start to really, really rely on their top scorers, you mentioned Chickering, but Tristan Rand and Tyler Healy, it's an 0-1 and 2-0-2s who have just been putting the puck in, not just in the net themselves, but dealing with double digits and assists. You've got 11 guys with double digit points. You've got net minding that is making a lot of saves. They're facing a lot of shots, but making a lot of saves. I like Twin City as kind of a dark horse candidate here. I think they're worth the discussion. I think especially considering you you can't really rank the two divisions necessarily. I just think there's not really enough of a difference between them. You might be able to cherry pick. You might be able to throw a couple of biases in there. But I think the fact that the Twin City Thunder are sitting four points out of first in fifth place. (laughs) If you're sitting less points out of first than you are places down the line, that shows something about your division. It shows something about the team. I think if Twin City can get hot at the end, I wouldn't be surprised to see them once again become that conversation as the last four teams because it's the systems, right? We talked we talked about the the Mike Anderson system, right? How it just every year, no matter what team comes out there, they always look great. They're always running that system. Haji's got a system too. That system worked last year. It's working again this year. You look at fifth place, you're missing 95% of the story for Twin City. And I think that they're a team that does it the right way. And I think they're a team that obviously wins on the ice, cares about the players. I think that promotes a really positive locker room. And I mean, Brett, Sean, you guys know, like, the locker room mentality. You know, you can talk as much as you want. The tier two level is obviously striving to be that professional style locker room, right? You you want to be as professional uh, you know, it's like showing up to work. But even at the highest level at the NHL, you bring in guys for their locker room presence all the time. The locker room is the most one of the most important parts of the game. So the fact that Twin City Thunder have built this community, I think that really helps them out. And again, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them involved late. They might they might be a dark horse. Now, gentlemen, you look at it, it first of all with this Twin City team, you know. Lucas, don't forget that they have two games in hand on both the Monarchs and the Junior Bruins. Yeah. Well, if you get the full four points out of those two extra games you're going to have, you know, you now are looking at a team who is in a three-way tie, now a four-way tie with South Shore. Mm -hmm. And so anybody's ballgame in the Norris, and we look at the last two teams in that North Division, what is the, the, the similar rallying cry? It is struggles away from home. When you look at the two worst records on the road, that is where the Boston Advantage and IHC have found their troubles. 2-8-0-0 in their last 10 on the road away from home. But this Boston Advantage team, you want to talk about, Brett, you mentioned Philadelphia as kind of being a first-period team or out-of-the-gates team, right? A force that kind of comes out striding. A lot of their games have been decided early on. What does that say about this Advantage team? And, and I think they could be sneaky dangerous come playoff time. 
Yeah, well, I mean, with, with the advantage, I mean, you, when you look at, you go to the overall records, leading after one, tied after one, trailing after one. And as you mentioned, with, with the advantage, it's, you know, sometimes a game is, as you said, determined after one. If the advantage lead after one, they've only done it 10 times. Well, they've led after two 14 times. So it's very, very similar, as you had mentioned there. Um Trailing after one, they've trailed 14 times. After two, 17 times. So again, very, very similar in that regard. And so it, it's a similar situation when, when you really look at it is for the advantage. Take what you've, like, get off to that good start. Because you know if you've established it after one, whether you're leading or tied, you're probably going to be able to bring it over to through to leading after two periods and at that point they're 13 0 and 1 leading after two so you want to take that momentum and carry it all the way through one two into the third where most of the teams win when they're leading after two periods in the league it's when you when you get to that point of where you you're sort of getting your way through the first period that's where you get into the trouble of second and third period so you know it's sort of like a reverse with Philadelphia is they get off to the they get a lot of shots on goal early they get going early but then it you know they're a first period team the advantage need to be a first period team because if they're not a first period team that's where they get themselves in trouble 100 and now we look at it gentlemen I want to get into predicting okay I'll make it easy for you I predicted the South Shore Kings to play the Jersey Hitmen for the championship. They both sit in first place. I have to change nothing. I will make no changes. There's a man by the name of Patrick's that sinks pucks in the back of the net that I think is my MVP for the NCDC this season thus far. I would say close in there is Baron Woodring with the way he plays with that Rockets Hockey Club team and the turnaround their season's had. But let's start with Sean Bretherick. I want to know who you think your champion is in the NCDC, if you had to pick one right now, who that dark horse team is that might not be the team we all look at that may just surprise everyone and close it out with your MVP. That's what I want to know in the NCDC show. Well, I think, I think, you know, when you look at those, those top three teams in the North, I mean, it, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to, uh, to go against, uh, obviously it would be hard to go against the, the hitmen obviously coming out of the South, uh, barring some, barring some, you know, things playoff hockey can provide that sometimes. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, unless if something, unless if something changes, uh, it just doesn't look like that anybody's going to be able to take them out at least South. But the teams in the North, you know, I keep looking at the Northern Cyclones. I yeah. just, I just keep looking at them. I don't know why they're 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 on the cusp, but they're also only four points back of the top spot too, um, and they have games at hand of on the teams the two teams ahead of them anyway. Um, you know they're they're a team that looks interesting. New Hampshire, we've talked about the PK. I think that's a brilliant. I think a very good point uh, that's brought up. You know, uh, I talked about the Junior Bruins. Yeah, I mean, you could probably say South Shore, you know, with their with their record. I just like the Northern Cyclones maybe sneaking in there, uh, okay. maybe going up against the Jersey Hitmen. Now, for an MVP, okay, I like. Listen, Patrick's uh, 
Go ahead, is Brett. It, is, it, Brett is, it, is, it, is it Marcinkiewicz or is it Marcinovitz? Because I've heard from Toby Harris himself that it's Marcinovitz. I was told Marcinkiewicz by Jim Hunt. Jim Hunt said Marcinkiewicz. Marcinkiewicz. Fair enough. Yes. Patrick's okay. Marcinkiewicz. Okay. Well, there, there, there it is. Okay. Well, my pick is Dom. Ooh, I like it. Here's why. Look at the stats. Look at the look at the point totals. 18 goals, 24 assists. Patrick's has got 23, 43, and 66 and 36. Patrick's has done 42 and 21 because he's joined late. Now, do we just mail the trophy to their house and let them play one v one shitty? Well, he's the only, and he's the only guy in the top twenty that is averaging two points per game right now. Pat, Patrick's is is one point eight. That's good, but brother Dom, that's is that's a straight two. So, yep. uh, straight two right there for two points per game. Uh, a lot of other players you can see in there: one point one, one point one eight. You know, one point two, one point four. But the the Marcinkovics or the Marcinkovi, I don't know. <laughs> the Marcinkovi. Oh, the Marcinkovi. <laughs> the Marcinkoviches. Um, both are about averaging about two points per game in the NCDC, which is ridiculous. All I can say is thank goodness they're both all ones. Um, but yeah, I got Dom, <laughs> but I got Dom because of his very, very quick production uh, since joining the fray. And yeah, that's been the that's been the big one. That's where that's where they that's where the hitman went from being yeah, they're first place but not by a whole lot, but when you add Dominic's in there, they now go to first place by a whole lot. That's that was mm-hmm. the difference, and I think he makes the difference. Which again, what's the MVP supposed to be? Who's more valuable to a team? Yeah. That Dominic's Marsikovitz makes the hitman a team that, yeah, could be a first place team, but now they are a first place team. Okay. Um, and I think that's I think that's really what it boils down to with that one. And you look at it. Do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, including Sean. You know, you say how hard it will be to unseat the Jersey Hitmen in this NCDC. Do not forget, in the 2018-2019 NCDC campaign, the Jersey Hitmen were 43-7-0-0. Only seven losses on the year. They were 19 points better than the second-place Junior Bruins, and were upset in the first round by the Northern Cyclones who finished the season 30 points the lesser overall in the standing. So it is over. What was that team again? That was the Northern Cyclones. <laughs> I think Sean. Oh, Sean oh look at that. You know, it's the same coach. coaching staff too, isn't it? It is. And it both oh. sides. Oh. I'm going to get hit by Coach Toby Harris <laughs> next time he sees me. Well, for Dan, even- don't you have a neato stat of the night that we discussed neato. earlier? What's about the jersey the jersey hitmen and how their road to the playoffs so here is the neato stat of the night as well and this is again going to get me hit by everybody <laughs> in wayne new jersey so i will be avoiding wayne on my drive up to foxborough this next week i can provide you an umbrella if you'd like so the jersey <laughs> hitmen i bring one all the years, time in years that the ice vault would have played host to the ncdc finals the Jersey Hitmen have yet to make an NCDC Deneen Cup final. So they have not hosted a Deneen Cup final yet that they have won. So this would be an opportunity for the first this year if the Founders Cup is raised and they play not on neutral ice, but at ice fault, 
That would be an interesting stat, and we will see if it continues, but it would be the first ever Dominion in the NCDC raised on ice vault ice if it were to be played there. You know, it'd be interesting. You know, I, I, I've been for one saying that it seems like, it's, at least when it comes to the Hitman and Rockets thing, it seems like both teams play better on the opposing team's ice. It is interesting. <laughs> I agree with that. The Rockets yes. out of so mind. maybe they can elect to have the Deneen Cup played at PSA <laughs> so they can guarantee victory. Because I don't think I've ever seen them lose an SEDC hockey game there. I know they haven't beaten the Rockets. That, that, I know the Rockets haven't beaten them there. They're 11, oh, and 11 against them at home yep. uh, at BSA. Um, so, yeah, that's that, there's, there's, there's a neato stat for you right there, too. <laughs> Brett, now to save the day for the Jersey Hitmen faithful, <laughs> we need to know your champion, your dark horse in the NCDC, your MVP. All right. Well, we'll start out with the – I'm going to make a case on the MVP, another Hitman guy here, and it's Sean Melsell. Uh, this guy, we, we look at we look at the, um, the, the Marcinkiewicz brothers, and, and they're all – you know, they're putting up the points, obviously, two they're doing two um they got two points a game out of out of Dom. Patrick is doing some stuff there. Actually, Dominic has matched his point total from two years ago, uh, when he was in NCDC. But um for Sean Melso, the guy has scored points in twenty-seven out of his thirty-six games, left-handed shooting defenseman, getting top two minutes every single game he's out there 11 and 30 he triggers a lot of what the hitman can do offensively with his 11 goals and 30 assists and still only 16 penalty minutes getting the job done defensively for a stratomatic fanatics he's a five back there in my estimation sean melso has really you know and i'm not taking anything away from either marcy kevich brother they've been tremendous and as Sean said, once Dom arrived on the scene, they stepped it up to another level. But I think Sean Melso is the glue back there, the the conduit between the goaltending and and the attack here. Uh, that's been like really the one that's just triggered everything for this Jersey Hitman team. So I would make a case for Melso in the MVP uh, conversation. Obviously, the Hitmen. I mean, what if fourteen? one and one or something like that in their last 16 games is something ridiculous. So they're, they're just white hot right now. And, you know, if you're a Hitman fan, you hope they continue that one. They're, they're the favorites until they're not the favorites. As I like to say, they're the champs until they're not the champs. So, you know, that, that's a situation, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the Hitmen uh, and not because they're my own team. It's just that they're playing the best hockey right now. And I don't see them slowing down. If I was to go with a dark horse, I hate to call them a dark horse, but the junior Bruins haven't, this isn't a typical junior Bruins season. They're, they're virtually even in, in shooting shots for shots against it's 33 a game, both sides, a half a shot difference in the four category. They've had almost the same amount of games, 16 games where they've outshot their opponents, 17 games where they've been outshot. So, and then four games where it's been dead even. Usually we're used to seeing the, this Boston Junior Bruin team as, as a team that they, 
They outshoot opponents. They take the action to the opponents, outshoot beginning to end. They haven't quite gotten that done this season. If Coach Anderson can get that get that team sorted out in the in the direction where they're putting more rubber on net, especially early in games where they could put teams on their heels, they become to me a very dangerous team. And I'm saying this, and they're tied for first place. But that North Division is so crazy. You got nine points separating the top six teams in that division. So, you know, one bad weekend, a team can go from like contender to, uh oh, we better, we need to work to get in. So, from, I, I hate to call them a dark horse, but, you know, Northern and Northern Cyclones as well. You could be, a, those two teams would, would worry me if you saw them at the opposite end of the Dean Cup final. I got one, maybe a little change. I like how the Northern Cyclones play. We're backing yeah. off already. Not even done with the episode. Well, well no. Well, here's well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I never got. I, I've never been able to get this out on air. And with you guys here, it's very special. <laughs> Those New Hampshire Junior Monarchs. Um, with their PK and the way that they play, you know that they play every single game. I don't know if they still play with the pat with a patch on their on their jersey. If they, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they do. Um, I have been able to, I, I was able to have the, the, the honor to actually really, uh, get to know just a little bit of Ryan Frew, um, a little bit. Um, he came, he came to uh, BSA a few times and I was able to do, um, a couple interviews with him, uh, during showcases at, at um, up in Wayne. Um, <laughs> what a class, uh, what a class act the, uh, that man was, uh, he was always, you know, no, no matter no matter the situation, uh, the team was getting you know beat up after the first period. He would, had no problem coming up to talk. Um, you know, I have to have a shout out to that organization. Um, noticing that their play, that their home ice arena is called the Tri Town Ryan Fruit Memorial Rink. Um, hats off uh, to those guys up there uh, for that. I just had to make that mention. Um, that team always that team always plays hard and. I know that they have uh, Coach Fru always looking down on them. So um, here's also my hope of uh, that they did, that they do well, um, and uh, that that'd be an incredible story um, for sure as well. Uh, I think that needs to be said. I think for me, can I give a shout out? Of course, Coach Mike Marcou, uh battling cancer. I know they're doing the uh, uh, Pal Islanders are going to do uh, uh, a cancer uh, benefit game or series of games out there on the island. Uh, shout out coach Mike Fru, one cancer survivor soon to be to another. Let's go. You know, that team's undefeated when leading after two. And I don't think it's going to change in that one too. So shout out coach, uh, get better, you know, keep battling that thing. And, uh, we'll see you back on the bench plenty of times. Yeah. And we talk about these coaches at this level of the game, right. And, you know, they are the lifeblood of these organizations. Like you talk about pal, you, you talk about Mike Marcou, you talk about, the, the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs, and even at this very moment, you talk Ryan Frew. I mean, they, they are what make these organizations special. They make the experience for these young athletes. They make it possible for these guys to go play at the next level. And you talk about Coach Mike Marcou. I mean, he's from the same cut as a Ryan Frew, a guy who played the game at a high level, the guy who there is no there's nobody he's bigger than. Right. Like he's willing to talk to us. I still my favorite quote in the last two years is Mike Marcoux winning the summer showcase with his pal squad 
and going, oh, no, I'm going to miss my ferry. Like that was the <laughs> most New York response to winning a championship. He was disappointed that the game went to overtime because now he wasn't going to make it to his ferry on time to get home. Like you talk about these guys, you talk about Ryan Frushon, you mentioned him. And like, this is a guy that paid Lucas and I in, in mugs from the mug club and pizza <laughs> pies to come play and maple syrup. Every time yep. we went up there, we had this maple syrup that he had his local deal. And he went one day we went, he went, boys, boys you want to come up and call a game? And we went, we went, sure. And he goes like, look, we're we're working a little tight to the budget right now, but I've got a mug club. I got some mug club mugs. I got some maple syrup and I got a pizza pie waiting for you boys. And we said, let's go. We went up there and there's nobody else in the world who we would have done that for. Right. You just, the passion Ryan has, what he, what he did for all of us in the game of hockey, what his legacy continues to do for junior hockey is unmatched. Mike Marcuse just continue to continues the battle, man. And, and, you know, you talk about it. These are our NCDC guys, folks. So you talk about Sean, you talk about Brett, like these guys get it. These guys are in it through and through broadcasters. You become part of the family and yeah, you have your home team. Yeah. You have your team you call for. Yeah. Like if you're a Yankee fan, you fall in love with Michael K. Or if you're a, you're a Mets fan, you fall in love with Gary and the crew, but, but those guys become a part of everyone's family that come into town. You talk about the, like, this is what it's all about. This is, this is what this game's about. Lucas, Let's go to you in the NCDC here. Can you make your picks, your champion, your dark horse team, your MVP in the NCDC? Well, I still don't think the Jersey Hitmen are going to win the whole thing. I said that at the beginning of the year. Lucas I said, picked the field over the Jersey Hitmen to win the championship. I said that at the beginning of the year. I said that in the middle of the year. I'm saying it right now on February 8th, 2022. Um I think it, the champion uh, here. Here's the thing. I think it's going to be one of two teams. I think it's either going to be the Pal Junior Islanders coming in out of the South because I like the way that team plays. They've hit a cold streak now, which is the perfect time to hit your cold streak as long as it doesn't continue. Um, the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs are going to be the most exciting team to watch, I think, in the playoffs. But I, I wouldn't be so. I want to give Dan a little credit here. I wouldn't be surprised to see the champion be the South Shore Kings. I. I just think they're so good right now, and they've been they've been good. They continue to get better. They are they are aging like a like a fine wine at this point. And I think I think you talk about like a like a year that it comes together, right? Exactly, a year that it comes together for everybody. I, why not this year, right? Ravioli, ravioli, You do. I mean, we also want to make as many ravioli puns as possible on a championship broadcast. Um, but because there've been so many, so many great picks for MVP, I want to go a little bit different. I want to take a top scorer that everyone should keep their eyes on. It's Evan Brown from the Rockets hockey club. Okay. I, I just think that there's a lot of potential there. I mean, an 03, a lot of goals, you know, a lot of assists just coming through. Iki Kagawa is another young guy, the Boston junior Bruins. I think the one thing that the NCDC does so well is identify and promote this young talent. Right, this is not a league that scoops up young guys and makes them sit on the bench while a bunch of old ones t- get at it. Right, this is a league that promotes um, promotes the youth, and and even recently we've seen a lot more players getting promoted from the. Uh, or, sorry, future Lucas, go back and and cut this one. We're seeing a lot of players get moved from the elite and premier affiliates of the NCDC to the NCDC teams. Um, that happening more and more is a really good thing. Um, so I just think just keep your eye on some of that young talent that keeps flowing through the NCDC and 
just watch those names grow into something special. But yeah, I think the South Shore is going to win the championship. I would say that my if it comes out of the South, it might be Pal. My dark horse continues to be the Twin City Thunder. Um, but yeah, I just I don't think it's going to happen for the Hitmen this year. Gentlemen, we have we have overstayed our welcome time wise here <laughs> on the episode. Okay, we we don't we don't hit the two hour mark much, so we're going to stay away from that mark. So I'm going to have to bother you guys to come back again before this season's all said and done because I got to get uh, your Mount Rushmore's a broadcaster. So you got to think oh. those. We, yeah. we're those give me through. time to think, but I pretty much already have it. But yes, yeah, so it'll give me some more time to think about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I need yeah. a little more. I need a little more time to think on that one because I got so many. So think it up. That's always tough to make it four. It's always tough to bring it down. And, and in true Jersey fashion, just like the great Mike Francesa, we will take naps and we will talk about our top four Mount Rushmores of any topic. Top four condiments: ketchup, mustard, hot sauce, and barbecue sauce. Probably the top four. But we we go to close this thing out now. And, you know, Lucas, we know how beloved, absolutely beloved we are from the folks behind the scenes of the Boston Junior Bruins. And they're going to be even more upset with hearing that they're a dark horse in the show today. You look at the Rockets Hockey Club, a team battling back. They're going to want to know why their broadcaster didn't pick the Rockets. You look at Lucas Jones potentially trying to swoop in and steal the job in Bridgewater right out from under Sean by saying Evan Brown's <laughs> going to win the MVP. You look at Dan Kay sitting atop with the correct picks right now. Oh, how far <laughs> would he fall if he's wrong with both? And you look at the crew here. We thank you guys for joining us. we got to go to our parting words. You guys know Lucas has nothing. Let's close it out, Brett. Your final word for the club. I was going to give it to Sean first because I got oh, something Sean, coming go in. Ahead. Sean, close it out first. Burning words. Well, listen, sometimes, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? Um, listen, uh, Rockets had a pretty decent Saturday game, one 6 nothing against PAL, but, uh, you know, kind of came back down to earth after after that one, you know, when the team that you're chasing beats you 6-2. to two. It's kind of hard. It just You're on top of the world, and then you get kind of humbled a little bit. I mean, that's kind of where you get your information from, but it's always about it's all we'll have to see when things come together in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you never know. Again, hockey playoffs are weird. Uh, trust me, I've watched uh, the elite, the elite Rockets for for a few years now. Um, and, uh, you know, they were able to they were able to break through break through last year. But, you know, the years where they should have been breaking through, they you know, they weren't able to do it. Uh, so, you know, sometimes the road teams have advantages. Um, mentioned New Hampshire. You never know. You never know. What it's all about. Now we go to Brett, a busy man back here. He's doing it all. He's a mover and a shaker here. Okay? Yes. Yes. Because, it all. um, dinner has arrived. Oh, come on. That's the <laughs> way it's has arrived. I got to go make mine okay. after this. This is what yeah, happens we when we keep on the air for seven hours. You got to eat at some point during you the know, <laughs> So we got, we got a nice Italian hero. Um, nice. I just choose to take the, the, the tomato off, not tomato guy. Uh, some, some French, uh, some, uh, potato chips, I should say. I'll go grab myself a iced tea in a moment. And it'll be all good. But, um, you know, good being on with you guys. Good talking with you guys again. I've still got to get you guys stratomatic. we got to get that done one of these days. It's all good. Um, It's no slight to anybody else in the league about what prognostications or thoughts, this, that, the other. Because everybody here, the coaching is great. The organizations are great. The players are great. You know, everybody just to get to this. But there's a ton of talent in this league. And we're going to see them a long way through. So, when I say, you know, this, that, the other, I'm not slighting anybody. 
maybe I'll get a little bit of stick from the Mice and Cabbage Brothers. Eh, probably it's all good, but um, you know, Melsa might get me a, uh, some lunch over at the vault one of these days. Who knows? But all these teams, and you see it, it's a parody league. It's so close up and down, and um, you know, it's just great to be able to cover these teams and and broadcast them, and then every now and again watch a Rangers game late at night at San Jose and all of a sudden hear my buddy's voice on the on MSG like wait a second I recognize that guy and uh you know it's a charmed life we all so uh another day in paradise thanks for having me and uh we'll get going again soon and I can actually come up with a Mount Rushmore I get to try out my new skates for the first time tomorrow Oh yeah, I got him. He's him and I are. Uh, I, I've got him on the ice now. So uh, he's plug? got full equipment at uh, Hockey North America. He's going <laughs> to be playing. He's going to be playing Hockey North America. Uh, it's an adult uh, uh, hockey league, of, basically for novices. It was created for novice and beginner players, and it's gone on for like forty years or whatnot. Um, HNA.com is their website, but uh, yeah, Sean's going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the beginner program. He's going to get on the ice and play for the first time. And uh, yeah, once I get the skating it's down, it's going to be over. <laughs> <laughs> once gotta, once I get that moving play. thing down, once I get the staying up straight, once I get the staying upright thing down, it's over. <laughs> got to get the back skating going on. That's that's what. Are I'm you really gonna Are you gonna back skate him even as a novice? Just back skate him over and over and over. Yeah, oh, I mean, my way, my way of the back skating is to try to go as fast as I can front skate and then just flip around and hope that I slide back and not fall on my back. I mean, that's it's, it. It's, that's it. It's a, it's a half lutz for those of you who are figure skating. Can't be, you cannot be afraid to fall, but you also have to know how to fall. Which yes. I know both, which I know both, which I know yes. to not be afraid and I know how to fall. But yeah. Well, gentlemen, we thank you guys for joining us. And for the folks at home, my parting words this week, you know, as we get closer to playoff time in our elite and premier levels, we get closer to playoff time in the NCDC. I had a good quote for you today. You know, when others tell you you can't, they actually fear that you can. They're even more afraid that you actually will. And that's something to remember, okay? Because you're going to hear a lot from prognostications. You know, when there's a 13-team league, there are going to be a few teams that don't get picked. When there's a 60-plus team league in the Premier, it's going to be a lot of teams that don't get picked, don't get their fair share, don't get talked about. The elite 20 teams. Well, guess what? There's one place we get to all make our voices heard and make ourselves seen. It's on the ice. It's on the airwaves. It's on Hockey TV coming up in the month of March and April. NCDC playoffs, Premier and Elite, our youth teams getting closer to the championships there. Make your message heard. Make your mark. And just like we do, Lucas, as the most watched show in junior hockey with some of the best around us, you put Sean the show on the call, he ends up on MSG. You got Brett Luthner traveling around the world covering a game of hockey, the game of baseball, doing it all. You got Lucas and Dan K. This is what it's all about. The Jersey Bros got to sign off when Dan K's on the mic. It's always hockey night. Thank you to all our sponsors. Remastered Sleep. You know, you talk about elite junior profiles. You talk about USPHL. You talk about... The folks over at Wingman Sports who can make any piece of gear you need for your team. And we got a new one coming. A new one coming real soon. Huge announcements to be had. When Dan Kay's on the mic, he says, uh, good night. We've talked for too long. <laughs> that's not what he says. Ah, that's not. 